He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a joy to share this Easter morning service of worship alongside you. What a joy to share Easter worship already alongside a number of you at our sunrise service this morning at at 7 a.m. And we continue in worship on this glorious Sunday where we name that our Lord is risen, has conquered the grave, is alive and in our midst. It is a joyful Sunday and as you're coming in, I hope that you are receiving a bulb as you make your way in. They are an assortment of different kinds of bulbs. You kind of find out what you get when you plant it in your yard. But it is meant to be something of a tangible reminder of the promise that we have in Jesus Christ that from something so unlikely and seemingly impossible, new life, beautiful life, eternal life is birthed and brought forth. I I have to give a big thanks to Ginny Hardman and Lisa Cardwell and Cherry Corley, Sally Lays, Rosemary Bundy, and Judy Waldron, who worked hard to put 300-some of these together in the last couple days. Uh, And then I hope you'll see, there's a little tag on there about some of the things going on in the life of our church as we head beyond Easter. For now, I would invite you just to, to stand wherever you are and greet a few folks around you. I invite you to begin finding your seats once more. We enter together joyfully into this Easter service of worship. Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia.
Easter is here. My friends, uh, as the composer and Chris have put a punctuation mark at the beginning of our prelude, let's stand for the call to worship and pay close attention to the punctuation marks at the end of our sentences. Friends, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Glory and honor, dominion and power to God forever and ever. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Rejoice, heavenly choirs of angels. Rejoice, all creation around God's throne. Jesus Christ, our King, is risen. Sound the trumpet of salvation. Rejoice, O earth, in shining splendor. Let us sing together in one voice. Christ has conquered death. Amen. Worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 95th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant, and today's date is April the 1st, 2018, Easter Sunday. Today's broadcast is number 4,886. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled New Creation, will be delivered by Reverend Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and Organism, the Chancel Choir, and Christopher Tweel, our Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is Jesus Christ is Risen Today, which is number 204 in the hymn book.
wonderful opportunity to come together in prayer as one body, as one church family, as one voice, and pray together our confession. Let's say together, Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the tomb, you have given us the sure sign of your power to deliver us from sin and death and to renew our whole creation. We confess that we still fall into doubt and fear. We continue to cling to selfish ways and doubt your power to make all things new. Forgive our lack of faith. Have mercy on our weakness. Raise us from the death of sin, that we might live with Christ in the joy of his resurrection, now and forever. Amen. The good and joyful and wonderful news that has been told has been said since the beginning of the age. The Word was with God in all creation. The Word was with God at the foundation of this universe and at the founding of our very lives. And here's our cry and plea. Be assured of your pardon of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in his death and glorious resurrection. Amen. in our four baptisms, as well as our children, something we do whenever we have a baptism. We leave this front row open, and if you are a child and you want a closer view for this baptism, you are absolutely welcome to come forward and take a seat on the very front pew in front of the baptismal font. In baptism, we have the joy of naming not our commitment to God, but God's commitment to us. The grace of Jesus Christ extends to us far before we ever would want to or even know how to respond. Such is God's amazing grace. As the children continue to come forward, you want to find a seat, right? I bet there's space to squeeze in over here. As you all continue to come forward, oh, you want to go first row right here? Want to sit down here? No, you want to stand right here? (laughs) Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hear also these words from Holy Scripture. You are a chosen race, a, ho- a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of the one who has called you out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. The promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. Obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us. God seals us and shows that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, unites us with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And by water and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Jesus Christ, and joined to his ministry of love and peace and justice. May we with joy remember our baptisms this glorious morning. On behalf of the session, I joyfully present to you Elena Claire Atchison. Julia Nicole Atchison and James Henry Atchison, children of Cheryl and James Atchison, and Bond Asher Bonnie Reevely, son of Jessica and Nelson Reevely, to receive the sacrament of baptism. I'll start here with Jess and Nelson. Our prayer, our hope, is that as Asher is nurtured in the faith in his family, the congregation, he will one day come to desire to answer these questions in the affirmative. But until that day, we ask you as parents to answer these three questions. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in this world? I do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior? I do. And relying on God's grace. Do you promise to live in the Christian faith and to teach that faith to Asher? I do. And Jess and Nelson have asked for four sponsors to accompany them in a particular way on this journey. We are grateful for Jay and Ann Randolph and Marlo and Taylor. And to the four of you, I ask this question. Do you promise, through prayer and example, to support and encourage Asher to be a faithful Christian? together, which is incredible and wonderful and really exciting. So you will hear me ask similar questions and then also one extra question to the eldest girls of this family. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you, Cheryl and James, turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in this world? If you do, say I do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live in the Christian faith and to teach that faith to Elena, Julia, and Henry? I do. All right. You guys. Do you guys know that God loves you? That God wants you guys to love God with everything that you are. That God wants you to love your neighbors and to love yourselves. If you know that, say, I do. Will the congregation please stand? Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide Elena, Julia, Henry, 
and Asher, by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of his church. Do we? Please be seated. Let us offer prayer together. Eternal and gracious God, we give you thanks. In countless ways, you have revealed yourself in ages past and have blessed us with signs of your grace. We praise you that through the waters of the sea, you led your people Israel out of bondage and into freedom. We praise you for sending Jesus, your son, who was for us baptized in the waters of the Jordan and anointed as the Christ by your Holy Spirit. Through the baptism of his death and resurrection, you set us free from the bondage of sin and death, and you give us cleansing and rebirth. We praise you that in baptism you give us your Holy Spirit who teaches us and leads us into all truth, filling us with a variety of gifts that we might proclaim the gospel to all the nations. Pour out your Spirit upon us, And upon this water, may all who now pass through these waters be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Bind each of them to the household of faith. Guard them from all evil. Strengthen them to serve you with joy until the day you make all things new. To you be all praise, honor, and glory through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Elena Claire Atchison, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I baptize you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Welcome. Amen. James Henry Atchison, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need to introduce you all to the congregation. Asher, and Elena, and Julia, and Henry, 
Well, let's look this way first. Do you see all these folks back here? Yeah. Yeah, see all those wonderful smiling faces? Let's go down this way. There's some folks you know. Did you know all of these wonderful folks came here to worship Jesus Christ and they stood up and they said yes. They said yes as part of the way we follow the living Jesus Christ. It's part of the way we share the good news of his message is we love you. They said they want to love you. They want to love you in their prayers. They said yes to loving you and seeing your gifts as they emerge and help and encourage their growth. They said yes to loving you and helping with the child care and helping with the Sunday school and helping to teach you about the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. All these folks said yes to being family with and for you. And they are going to surround your wonderful family with their yes. It's a joyful thing that we get to name the way we are family to one another in this walk. And as we continue in worship, I'll invite Christopher to offer a prayer of blessing. Ready to pray? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly God, you give us on this day many kinds of joy. You give us the joy of this Easter celebration and the joy of welcoming these folks into the incredible love of this covenant family. We are bound together by many things, by belief, by faith, by geography, by the truth of who we are as a people coming together here. But you also bind us together by water. There is one kind of rain that falls on us, one kind of water in the river that we cross over and play in. There is one kind of liquid that we drink. There is one baptism that has bound us together that has structured us, that has welcomed us. Lord God, we reside in your peace and in your care. In Christ's name, amen. 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 As you all are seated again, I would invite any of our children who are with us, ages six and younger, to join Reverend Christopher Tweel here. Part of the ways we take seriously our Ready? baptismal vows is training up the children from the youngest of ages. You all will get to join Reverend Christopher in the children's chapel. You'll be heading out this side door. And parents, you can pick your children up in room 102 after the service of worship.
Let us go to our God in prayer. God of life, your spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Your spirit inspired the prophets and writers of scripture. Your spirit draws us back to Christ and helps us to acknowledge him as Lord. We ask that you will, as you have in this baptism, send your spirit upon the proclamation of your word, that what we hear, read, and proclaim would not be just words, but in fact your very living, risen voice speaking life unto us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, a rich of food, rich, rich food filled with marrow, well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We arrive to John chapter 20 verses 11 through 18 where the promises of Isaiah land in this historical moment. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is April. We are 13 days into spring and the March 22nd snow, notwithstanding, I very much look forward to the warmer temperatures that are promised, the change of color, the longer walks this season seems to invite. And anymore, one of the things that seems inevitable about spring anymore is transition and not just the foliage. As you look, as you walk around, look at how the for sale signs go up in front of houses and complexes. We are a people 
on the move. And I would say especially this season every year. And everybody knows when you are in transition and you're trying to find a new place, location, location, location. Right? It's the basic truth of real estate. It's the thing that determines the value of the home, the thing that will determine our daily rhythms, determines what we see, what we don't see. Location is usually pretty determinative of the schools we tend, the crime we know or don't know, the friends we make, the activities in which we participate, the things we carry about, the places in which we worship. We think hard about location because we do know intuitively it. It really affects everything. And I want to suggest this morning that our Easter passage is all about location. And where we locate ourselves in this scripture is determinative, in fact, of our entire approach to life. But before we look at the location in which we find ourselves in John chapter 20, I think we need to back up for some context. In fact, we're going to back way back in the beginning. So declares Genesis 1, 1. And so too the Gospel of John, 1, 1. In the beginning. John is consciously drawing our attention to the Genesis story as we begin reading through his Gospel. Consciously letting us know John is not interested in just telling a few tales, a few fascinating moments from a fascinating person's life. But, but like Genesis, John wants to tell a foundational narrative about human, humankind, who we are in relationship to God. He intends to tell a creation story. Or more precisely, a new creation story. And so if you're kind of reading along in the, in the Gospel of John, you may remember very early on, chapter 2, Jesus attends a wedding. And from water, Jesus creates wine. From this ordinary aspect of creation that we see every single day, he brings forth something new, a new creation. And then just a bit later in, in John Jesus, he speaks but a word. And this sick man who'd who'd never walked in his life, he stands and he walks. Ordinary words, we use thousands of them every single day. But with ordinary words, a paralyzed person is put into motion. Or again, you remember there's just five loaves, two fish, and 5,000 hungry people. And Jesus takes these ordinary, everyday elements of creation and he draws forth in abundance to feed all there is new creation from creation or or do you remember when Jesus comes upon the man that's been born blind since birth and Jesus he spits on the ground the everyday soil of the earth on which we walk all of our steps and he makes mud and he puts mud on the guy's eyes and from this ordinary creation the man is given sight. You see, if we follow the arc of John's gospel, we see time and again, Jesus interacts with very ordinary creation. Water, words, food, mud. And Jesus' words, Jesus' presence, Jesus' touch, they have a way of, of drawing forth from the ordinary new creation. And so his followers, they begin to realize that when when you walk with him, you have this remarkable hope that what is does not always have to be what is. That is, 
until the unjust trial, until the torture, until the mockery, until the nakedness and nailing to the cross. The cross, where at some one point you recall Jesus cries out, I am thirsty, and someone puts a sponge of wine to Jesus' lips. Is that, it's as if some of them below are trying to remind Jesus, hey, you can turn water into wine. Sure, surely you can turn the ordinary wood upon which you are nailed into something. But John writes, when Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And that is the reality that weighs on Mary Magdalene when we find her in the garden, weeping outside the tomb, the outset of chapter 20. At one point, you remember, Mary tells the angels, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And, and yes, she's speaking of the physical body someone seems to have stolen, but she's, she's speaking about so much more. They have taken away the story of hope that he embodied. Jesus is finished. All these years of water and words and bread and mud and bringing forth so much more, this new creation, the story is finished. It's been taken away. Injustice and power, sin and death, they have had the final say. It has been taken away. And that is one location in which many of us situate ourselves in the story. We had a promising start. We had a promising life. We had a promising opportunity. We had a promising marriage. We had a promising movement. We had a promising church. We had a promising diagnosis. We had a promising child. We had a promising faith in which Jesus really did some remarkable things at at one point in our lives. But then it got dark. Then the unjust trial or the unjust system weighed. Then the naked shame came and the mockery poured forth. Then the punishing addiction. Then the relationship failed. Then the movement broke. Then the paralyzed situation grinded forever. Paralyzed. Or then maybe it was death itself. Many beneath their Easter finest can in fact locate themselves with Mary, weeping, just trying to get on with the next thing on the to-do list. In Mary's case, she just wants to anoint Jesus' dead body. It was a custom of the time. And we just want to get on with the next thing we are to do for the darkness and whatever its form has gripped us. And it's broken any real sense of expectancy that Jesus might do a truly new thing and change us or change them or change that or change the fact of death. Many of us, we locate ourselves in this space where it is finished. Which means Jesus is dead, really, to do anything substantive about this. And so we, like Mary, we look around. And even if Jesus is standing in our midst, we, we suppose him to be a gardener. 
We only see anymore what we expect because, again, it is finished. That darkness weighs. The story of hope, the story of hope beyond sin, beyond darkness, beyond death, it, it is finished. But do you know what it says in Genesis? The creation story that John really wants in our mind the whole time. Do you know what it says in Genesis on the seventh and final day of creation? The seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. When Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, he is purposely alluding to Genesis, the words of God on the seventh day, and then Jesus goes to the rest, that is death itself. And I think that should make us wonder just a bit. John hopes it does. You know, when when God first used that word, it's finished, it was not in a sad sense. It was not in the sense as if to say, and now it's all over, it's all done. No, it it is finished was in the sense of, and now this, this is complete. This, this is good. When God first speaks a word about being finished in the creation story, it is a good thing. And Jesus is alluding to that. Jesus is pulling from that sense. Could the it in it is finished refer perhaps not to Jesus being finished, but something else being finished? Jesus touched the common elements of water and words, bread and mud, and brought forth new creation. So too, Jesus touches the most elemental, the most common, the most brutal and fearful aspect of creation that every single one of us encounters. Jesus touches death with his whole being. And three days later, He rises from the grave, from the ordinary death. He brings forth yet again new life. It is finished refers not to Jesus being finished, but death being finished. There's the April Fool's joke, right? The world thought it meant Jesus is finished, when in fact, surprise, ordinary, brutal, everyday, common, we all face it, death, that is finished, Jesus is finished. Risen. And since Jesus lives, it means the same Jesus who worked all those years bringing from ordinary creation, new creation. He is living this day. He's still at work. He's still birthing new creation in our ordinary weddings and water. Our paralyzed situations and our situations where we simply do not have enough. And our muddied, sin-stained realities. Oh, he is still working with that stuff. And he is still at work very much on those ordinary heavy crosses that seek to crush and break us. They are in his risen hands, in fact, conduits of new creation. I wonder, do you see his living presence in the most ordinary Perhaps in the most painful of all ordinary. Perhaps even while it's still dark out. Do you see him yet this day birthing something new in your midst? For he's risen. 
Mary cannot. She cannot see that it is finished means death is finished. She cannot see. She's standing in a garden and God is alive and walking with her. Isn't that incredible? She cannot see. She's walking in the new garden of Eden. And death is what is finished. The darkness does not win. She can't see her true location. Until she hears her name. Mary, the familiar voice of love cuts through the layers of darkness. And then she knows that she stands in a reality where love is stronger than death and death is in fact finished. And the church has been working out for 2,000 years just what a profound thing that means for every aspect of life. As we go about our walks in these coming days and we take note of the for sale signs and we observe just how much everyone really is thinking about location, location, location. Consider your location. Are we a people for whom it is finished means Jesus is finished. Had a good run. Had his power, had his way, had his love, but it cannot anymore. It cannot save. It cannot change. It cannot do anything or are we a people for whom it is finished means death is finished is that our location and so we expectantly lean forward looking for the ways Jesus is birthing surprising new creation even amidst mud and cross and perhaps we'd like to move to that latter location but we don't we don't know how to get into that neighborhood I mean, we'd love to put a for sale sign on our current location. It's dark. It does weigh. It does hurt. We'd like to be in spring transition. We'd love if that garden reality filled us. I mean, we know. Location, location, location. Goodness, it determines one's approach to everything. But we don't know how to get to that space of inestimable value. Oh, the darkness can be so thick. And here's the good news. We don't need to figure out how to move. Jesus already made the move. Jesus is risen and he moved into our neighborhood. Jesus made his way to us. It is as we proclaim in baptism. Jesus is moving in our direction and embracing us far before we even want to respond, even know how to respond. And this Jesus has risen and and moved so closely and so near this very day that he is calling us by name through the very darkness we thought would smother us. May you be given ears to hear the voice who has moved in closer than you may have imagined. May you be given eyes to see this Easter morning the garden, which is our fundamental reality. And may this location anchor for you a sense of hope and expectancy in every aspect of this not-so-ordinary Life. Amen.
in response to God's word, let us sing, stand together and sing, Christ is alive. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled New Creation, which was delivered by the Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing Christ is Alive, which is printed in the bulletin. Remain standing as we proclaim together the truth we share in our risen Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. He is risen, he is alive, and so 
He is here and we can commune and communicate, pray. Let us go to our living God. Our risen Lord, we give you thanks. You have overcome the power of the grave. You have broken the chains of sin. You have destroyed evil's power. You have proven stronger than every injustice. You have proven more merciful than the ugliest of sin. You are risen. You are alive and you walk among us. And we give thanks especially both now and forevermore that you have given us a home that is this eternal garden. And we give you thanks that we stand there with you ever abiding, birthing new life in the most ordinary and mundane, even the most painful aspects of our existence. But this makes us mindful, too, that it is still dark out in so many places and ways and spaces. We ache for your new creation to be birthed in more fullness, more color, more beauty, more truth. Where we see darkness still resides. We see the nation's rage. We still see war and famine and massive refugee camps and displacement all around the world. We ache for you who has moved into our neighborhood to move in fullness in those ordinary, paralyzed, broken situations and breathe new life. Animate your church around the world, to be instruments of this new life. We think of our own country and all the ways we are paralyzed and in tension and angst with one another. Oh, and these ordinary, painful gridlocks speak a word and put us in motion In your way, bring about a season of new life where we might know and taste and see a fuller expression of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. As we near the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, we are mindful of an ache we have to see every tribe, tongue, and nation, every race come together in a visible sisterhood and brotherhood that proclaims the reconciliation that we have in you. Oh, we ache for a fuller expression of your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would do a birthing among us. We pray in the ordinary and mundane and everyday rhythms of our family life and our church life. In, in the things like setting up and preparing the meal and conversing and eating and laughing and sleeping. Even in the ordinary that you, Jesus, would be at work. Attune us to how you are speaking in in our midst, doing something new in those spaces this day. And we pray for those spaces where the darkness threatens to make us believe that it is finished means, in fact, you're finished. 
The spaces that make us anxious, the spaces that draw us back into the addiction, the spaces that draw us back into the cycle, the spaces where we sit before a loved one and this diagnosis, this death, this darkness, this how is this going to work out, those spaces show yourself faithful to have moved in. Show yourself to the God of the cross who raised new life. And in that cross, make it a conduit somehow of your new life. Your risen life. We enfold our every prayer, our every ache into the prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And thanks to our God who has moved in and abides with us so faithfully, we offer our lives This certainly includes the manner in which we steward our finances, which are but a gift, a provision given of God's and ultimately God's. You're invited in a space of worship to discern how God may be calling you to give in thanks and give in hope that this message of life might spread more deeply among us and far beyond us. And as you you give, I will remind you, you have a communication card in your bulletin and invite you to, to let us know you're here, this white communication card. Let us know if there's something you'd like follow up about. You see something going on in the life of the church. You have a question. Indicate that right here on the communication card. And if you have a prayer on your heart this day. Or you have, you have reason for joyful thanks. You can write that here. And our care team will be lifting that up to our Lord uh, even this week. And so as you discern how you are. God may be calling you to give. Uh, again as the offering plates come around. We do invite you to place this there. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. 
Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. for Wednesday night supper. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineer was Lauren Todd. This service streams live and can be accessed through the church's website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 on your AM dial and 107.9 on your FM dial.
gracious God, thank you for drawing us unto this new garden in which you live and walk with us. You are alive, and so we are alive. These, our gifts, our offerings, these are expressions of our thanks. Take them as our gratitude. Use them that your good news might spread throughout this city, this nation, and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in a moment going to continue in worship by singing, Thine is the glory. I will remind you, as printed in your bulletin, if you would like to come up and sing the Alleluia Chorus, which will happen right after the benediction, you want to be part of that singing right here with our wonderful choir, please come up during the third stanza of Thine is the glory. There are copies of the music up front, and we look forward to any and all who might make their way this way. Let us continue in worship.
All right, boy, we are ready for that congregational response. This is great. Reminder, as you head out right after this uh, service of worship, down the hall this direction, we have a social room, we have refreshments, or maybe we're on the terrace, I can't tell. Can't are we in the social room? Uh, all right, we're in the social room. Okay, thank you. And we have a cake. We have four baptisms, so we're going to celebrate that. Celebrate with us. You also were given a bulb as you entered into this service of worship. A couple of highlights attached to it. I would invite you to plant this very unpromising, ordinary-looking bulb. Plant it in the earth. Make it disappear somewhere where it gets six to eight hours of sunlight. (laughs) And as it emerges, let it be a visible proclamation to you of our location in Jesus Christ, that from the ordinary, in fact, from the impossible, new life is birthed, new life emerges, that is our hope, that is the truth in which we live. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you this day and for all eternity. Amen.